This is Seek Bytes, the software engineering podcast by Seek.com. Join our experts as they share their thoughts and tips on mastering the craft of code. From career advice to technical deep dives, Seek Bytes is a podcast for software engineers by software engineers. Hi everyone, welcome back to Seek Bites. Today we have Nick Scoofers, Bridget Barnes, Elliot Miller, and myself, Rena Tan, speaking about ChatGPT. All right, so <laughs> Rena, how did you? What, why don't we just kick Fish off? Fishbowl from Rena. Get out of here, Rena. So, Rena, how did how did you get into engineering? Um, I studied engineering at university. Um, I was doing a commerce degree and I was studying at Melbourne University and they had this breadth pathway where you could do subjects outside of your um, the subjects that you study. And I did an engineering um, pathway and that's kind of how I got exposed to software engineering and I really liked it and so I decided to do more of that after. That's really that's cool. So what was, what was your like original degree called or, or planned for? A Bachelor of Commerce. What What, what is commerce? <laughs> is that for taxes? <laughs> it could is be. Is that accounting? <laughs> it's this wide umbrella about all things. So it's like it's like commercial. IT, right? Just like engineering. Yeah. yeah. Engineering is the whole world. So yeah. it's commerce. Is, yeah, I, think I, I guess that kind of makes sense, right? Can okay. you explain homelands to me? <laughs> I don't think so. Nobody can explain <laughs> homelands. Homelands go up. Cool, so cool, cool. you... So homes. Are, are working <laughs> at Seek now, possibly yes. from your home. How do you find that? I really like it. I started full-time work during COVID. So I joined Seek maybe a month before the lockdown happened. So I was in the office for one month. I got to meet some great people and then I worked from home that's, every single day of the week. That's, yeah. a, that's a pretty big jump from yeah. kind of just starting. So you, you, you were at uni and then you came to work full-time and then, yeah. boom, straight into five days a week working from home. Yeah, that was hard, but I think I was lucky in the sense that we had the graduate program um, boot camp or accelerator program, program now <laughs> in person in the office for the whole month before joining the team. So meeting other grads, having that in-person learning was great. Oh, good timing. Yeah, yeah, really we good were very lucky. Yeah. They had just gone into their teams when the pandemic wow. caused like about a couple everything. of weeks. Yeah, wow, wow. like I'm just honestly glad that you actually got to meet your team in person because I yeah. think it's so much less intimidating, right? Being able to put faces to names and yeah, I mean, we'd been working together, Bridget, nine months before the we met. The first in time that we met in person, I was just like, oh my god, like he's real, he's it was, flesh. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I really like, similar. You got to do a double take when you see people in person for the first time, oh, don't no. you? It it, it just you. throws you because you've seen someone's face, and then you 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 know everyone seems to be the same size when when they're mm. on Zoom, and so you go from on Zoom to in person. You're like, is that? No. Yes. No. I don't know. I also uh, worked with Nick's brother for a little while too. So Nick was. I much wondered taller. if they were brothers. I was <laughs> yeah. like, come on, Scoofus, Adam Scoofus, Nick yeah. Scoofus. Surely they're related. Like, it's not a common last. No, but, like, I was, like, he's larger than life both in presence and, like, you know, like, physicality. Like, he's not Adam. This is. Yes, we are, yeah, you know, cut from a similar but in some ways very different cloth. Yeah. (laughs) 
Serena, when you were trying to decide what your career jump was, did you just go online and be like, AI, please tell me? What <laughs> That's definitely what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the AI is it is it taking our jobs? That's that's the big question no. everyone wants to know. It's not Bridget with the controversial no. No, I don't think that's controversial. But yeah, go on, I Bridget. mean, look at everything that AI is already doing. Right, um, no one's lost their job yet. It's I human mean, AI. People definitely have. people have yeah, for sure automation. Yeah. Automation yeah, always I, does that. Automation's getting but, rid of people's jobs, but I, yeah, I agree with you. Automation, yes. But, like, even look at, like, um, you know, when Photoshop started introducing things like content-aware filters, people were like, this is the end of editing. You know, I'm not going to have to make my horrible fan edits anymore because I can just tell Photoshop to do it. You're right. I think automation is different. I, I mean, look, I'm on the same side as you. I, I, I agree. I don't know if mechanical, like labor and moving around you know like the you know there's lots of ports that are automated now and you don't have people necessarily going and driving forklifts around although that's a whole separate thing because the longshoremen's union is very strong i think but (laughs) whatever we have the technology to automate ports and and not do that when it's kind of quote-unquote knowledge work right it is it is different um yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's not going to take our jobs, but is it going? I think the more interesting question is: Is it going to change our jobs? Oh, it absolutely will change our jobs. But just just to stick with the automation, just for a moment, you know, whether or not we we talk about technical automation or physical automation, even if it does get rid of jobs, it always creates more. Like because new industries pop up, new things pop sure. up. So in yeah. in the longer term, technological advances and automation and other things, there is a net benefit. Right. I mean, it sucks for the people whose jobs are being automated. But it, yes, I, I agree with you broadly. It does. Like it's, it's, you know, lots of, you know, there's fewer chimney sweeps than there were back in the day. Like that's, that's true. That's very true. Now we've got our rumour to do it for the, us. The worst thing in the world. But yes. It, it wouldn't really matter if we had universal basic income. Just saying. Just I mean, saying. Totally agreed. So, so Raina, what, what do you think? Do you, what what is ChatGPT to you? Do you think it's, it's the new automation tool of the future that's going to, you know, replace engineers? No, I don't think so. I think like what Nick and Bridget were saying, it will change the nature of what we do. Like there's less of the mundane tasks that you might have to do as an engineer. Like say, for example, the other day we wanted to refactor our tests to unit tests from like describe, several describes into an e- each table test. That was nice and quick to chuck into ChatGPT and get it to reformat it for us. Did you do that? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> hey, that's no, no, no. I, 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 I um, yeah, I, it's something that I haven't started getting to the habit of, but it's something that I've been planning to do is just kind of like, you know, I was doing something similar the other day, something kind of gnarly with some like Terraform configuration and like, yeah, mm-hmm. I figured ChatGPT probably do a decent job of it. That's It wasn't perfect. Job. You still had to clean it up, really. So well, to me, it's for yeah. me, I think this is why this is the core of why it's not going to replace anybody's job anytime yep. soon is because it gets things wrong very confidently and it needs somebody to manually check it. And it's not like it's not always a subtle. It, sorry, it's not always glaringly obvious what needs correction. Sometimes it's quite subtle. Yeah, it's a contextual knowledge of what you're trying to achieve yes, that it doesn't absolutely. know. absolutely. Yes. I think there's something to be said, though, and I, I just want to put this out there. I think that it may replace some people's jobs, right? 
And for those people, and I'm sorry, and this is a bit bit mean, but <laughs> here we go, if, here we go. if it replaces you, <laughs> you're not very good. <laughs> Look, I, 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 if... Oh, your manager's not very good or something, right? Like, because like, the <laughs> thing is, right, ChatGPT, it is a chatbot. And look, you know, uh, I'm going to throw out the technical terms. It's a learning model and it's a neural network and yada, 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 right? But it, it's not a person. It doesn't have that contextual knowledge. It isn't a critical thinker. That's not what it's actually doing, right? So you can't you can't give it a problem and expect it to do critical thinking. It's just, I mean, we should break it down. Just for anybody that doesn't know, effectively what ChatGPT is doing when it's giving you an answer is it is taking everything you've told it and everything it kind of like knows about the world that it's been trained on and it is just trying to predict the next word and then the next word after that and the next word after that and obviously it is a little bit more complicated than that and it can do things like you know it's actually not the next word it's the next token which could be part of a word which is why it can kind of invent new words right but all it's doing is it's giving you like what's the next most given all the things I've seen in the past and what you've given me now what's the next most probable thing and that's why it can go back and forth it takes what you said and what's it said and keeps going like that so you're totally right is that it doesn't doesn't like it it has derived some structure and meaning from things sufficient enough that it can predict what should be next but mm. it's not the same as and that's why it can make such basic mistakes absolutely that no human would make and this is what why you'll always need engineers, right? Because as, as Rain said, it still needed some editing, right? Like it wasn't perfect. And it's much like any of the other IDE tools you might have. Like if you say, oh, I'm going to go and just use the refactor command to refactor this token. Sometimes it picks up comments or it picks up string literals or other things that you're like, I didn't actually want to change that. And so if you give all of that trust to this tool, it's like, well, there is inherent risk with that, right? Not that there's not risk with humans, but... The, the tool itself is not perfect and we know it's good at predicting and I don't know how much the three of you have, have played around with this or anyone listening. I've played around with it a little bit, not a huge amount, not really with work yet, but it, it, it kind of blew me away a little bit when I first played with it. I went, right, I'm just going to test it out. Look, I was working on this particular React component. I needed to do something not very nice. I had like a separation of concerns issue and the requirement was this parent component should be able to decide when this form gets submitted as opposed to the form itself, which has the button. And it was kind of like, yeah, that's not really how it should work. Anyway, I was like, this is a bit obscure. I'm just going to ask ChatGPT, how would I achieve this? And I was like, it's, come on. And it immediately went, cool, so here's an escape hatch in React that will allow you to do this. However, this isn't best practice. We avoid not doing this. Mm, or, or, and I went, okay. And it gave a really detailed, really succinct response. And I was like, okay, so what is best practice then? And then it came back with what is actually best practice in that, yeah, you should be passing a delegate to the child and the child should be controlling it. You as the parent shouldn't be able to change the behavior of the child, you know, when we're talking about so solid coding and whatnot. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there and I was like, uh, okay, that was impressive. And then I was like, right, let's let's try something a bit a bit more obscure. You know, I, I was working on a webpack thing years ago and I was upgrading from like 1.1 to like webpack 4 and that was a nightmare. So I was like, right, okay. I've got Webpack 1.1 and I need to split out some vendor bundles with some normal code and also have a specific React bundle. I was like, right, okay, do that, ChatGPT. And then it came up with the perfect Webpack config and then it said, cool, here's a Webpack 1.1. It's going to create this vendor bundle, this React bundle. Here's your entry path. Mm. And this is really old. You should really be using Webpack 4 and here's a link to the latest Webpack 4. And I went, 
sorry, what? <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, this is crazy. And so I said, right, I'm going to do something completely different just for funsies. And I went, let's make a Dark Master Zork clone. And I said, and I, maybe that shows my age a little bit, and basically it was a text-based adventure, right, for console. You would enter a command and it would say, oh, you look and you see, you know, X, Y, and Z, and then you could move, you could pick Great up. Fun. Right? And I was like, right, let's just throw this out there. And it did it. I said, like, instantly it went, here's a, a C-sharp thing, because I said Dark Master Zork clone in C-sharp. That, that was it. It was a very short sentence. Yeah. It created a one-page functional main running C-sharp app that essentially mimicked Dark Master Zork. You know, it was only look and move commands, but it did it. And then I said, okay, well, let's improve upon this. I want to see a command pattern. So it implemented a command pattern. And then I said, well, I want that integrated into the main main program you've written. And so it did that. And it just kept doing things. Here's my question for you, though. Can you remember the times where it didn't work? Is there, I think there's a lot of kind of, what's the bias where you bias towards things that work and forget about the things that don't work? Because there's definitely a bunch of stuff that I asked oh, it to do. total confirmation like, bias. Quite, yeah, it's effectively confirmation bias, right? Like, it, there's definitely heaps of stuff where it totally flubbed it, right? Or just like, did kind of a crappy job. Like yes. I asked it to write a, I, I asked it to write a story about my cat, <laughs> and it it did a great job and wrote this really cute sort of poignant little story. But then, if you keep asking it to write stories about different things, it basically writes the same story. It does get time. a bit same, and it's right? got. It just and doesn't know Sophia well enough. The first one was great. The first one was like write a story about you know a shy cat that meets another cat, and it was beautiful. But if you do it enough times, you realize that it, it's got such a, it's not, it's very obvious it's not human. It's got such, even when you explicitly tell it, like, I don't know, I was trying to get it to write some dark and, you know, not about my cat, but like some, some you know, kind of like negative when it's got a very positive outlook on life. Everything's yes, roses. And even when you say, like, make it kind of like have a bad ending, it kind of like doesn't, it goes, yeah, it's bad, but it was all okay in the end. Like, it doesn't really, and I feel like that there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that it's, it's not doing properly. So here's the basic question. If I said, build me a Dark Master Zork clone, why did it use worst possible practice first? Why didn't it totally. use and, a and, command and pattern? And what if you didn't realize that it was the worst possible right? practice? Yeah, right? Yeah, that's the like, point. And I think this is what, what, what we're all sort of saying is that you still need the human in the loop to check its work. Absolutely. And it's, it's probably best used for stuff that for stuff that you will be able to, that you're actually qualified to It's It's really evaluate. the mundane tasks yeah. that you want it to handle. Yeah. Like when we're talking about, look, I need to do a mass refactor or something, but then herein lies the issue, right? And this is a really important one. You know, would you really want to put your proprietary code into this tool online? Well, look, the, you know, Rainer's if you could... sweating. <laughs> <laughs> if you could, but if you could run it, if you could run it offline and... Like, if you can run your own instance of it that's private. But I, I think the – would you want to put code in there and, and would you would you trust it? And and how long do you think it will be until we see some sort of data breach or – We already have. We've already seen it be hacked, right? People no, well, I mean somebody using ChatGPT to generate – Right, I'm, I, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'll just get ChatGPT to smash me out some code for some security sensitive stuff, right? And then, eighteen months later, my 
authentication code had a bug in it and it's kind of like, well, yeah, I didn't do my due diligence checking that it was, you know, written by ChatGPT. Did you encounter any funny bugs, Rena? It just, it just worked and no funny comments, no funny stories in it. It didn't have a sad ending for the... I haven't used it as much as... I think that was the only extent of it in terms of, like, coding-wise anyway. Yeah, I was yeah. really hoping it might have, like, embedded a story about the, the cat. <laughs> It's, it's, pro it's possibly a good segue into like what's missing from how it's kind mm. of deployed today that would that that kind of prevents it from being really useful. And I think the one you touched on at the moment, if you use the you know the the OpenAI version of ChatGPT, it's like it's in theory. I think I read their privacy policy. <laughs> in theory, it is ingesting all the stuff you give it and using it to improve things. And you know, you if you put proprietary stuff in there, you probably run the risk that somebody else will get that proprietary code out at some point in the future. But if you could run a private instance of it, that would be incredibly useful. I'm sure they're going to offer that as a Absolutely. service at some point. I think I, that's where it it's going to go. Bridget, what yeah, do you think? I think it's honestly missing a problem that it's trying to solve. At the moment, yeah. it's just kind yeah, of a very generic tool, right? Like a lot of people are using it as a novelty. No one's really been able to be like, this is the thing that we are trying to fix with this. They're just like, here's a cool tool. Maybe it will fix some things. So like crypto, right? Exactly. No. <laughs> no. Fully, Alienated half the audience. Very similar to crypto, very yep. similar to VR. It's kind yeah, of a totally. novelty, right? Like, I know that there are... Oh, don't get me started on VR. VR. But, like, its main purpose at the moment is as a, a game thing, right? It, like, it, it will a, be more useful, though. Than, I think than, it'll uh, definitely like, be more useful. The but, proof of the pudding will be yeah. in whether we see these large businesses built around it, right? Yeah, but I do think that it's kind of, at the moment, still being thrown around more of, like, oh, this is, like, a fun thing, so where can we make this work instead of like we have this problem we're looking at solutions mm -hmm. an ai like chat gpt is the solution to this problem that we have it's kind of looking for problems rather than like being the solution that we're looking for yeah, at the moment right. well it's interesting that you say that because microsoft a couple of weeks ago announced their partnering chat GPT with Bing specifically to try and fix that problem space, But right? have you seen that? I have, oh. and my goodness, is <laughs> it terrible. Avatar. So It's 2022. It, it, it's not out. It's yeah. the stuff of nightmares, uh, right? I mean, like, Some of it. That is a good point. Clearly, people are investing in it, but, you know, at the same time, like, Zuck is busy tanking Facebook's stock price because he's investing in VR and his... He just wants legs. Give him legs. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because we're talking about mass layoffs in tech, right? Is ChatGPT the cause of this? Well, no. 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 Not even remotely. From what I, I mean, you know, if we're going to end up in that, uh, there's a lot of commentary recently that I've seen popping up, particularly from, I think I saw something the other day from somebody who's sort of effectively like a sociologist or something, basically saying that a lot of these layoffs are like copycat like monkey see monkey do right? everyone the industry does yeah. like, facebook is going under then surely yeah rather than actually uh, and you know I'm, I'm sure the 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 ceos and the cfos of these large organizations might disagree but yeah i'm sure there's a little bit of maybe a little bit of mass hysteria there so what i'm hearing is that the t800 is not coming for my job <laughs> I don't oh, think so. like physically, maybe. Oh, physically? You may be under physical duress from AI at any point, but 
I mean, because the, the AI that's yeah, already running on my phone basically runs my life anyway, right? Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not chat GPT and it's not an artificial general intelligence. But the artificial general intelligence, that's the holy grail. It can do whatever. And right. it's not chat GPT. But we have very it. specific things. And I think, look, if you look at chat GPT as what it is, it is a chatbot. You know, it does pretty damn well as a chatbot, right? Is it an expert in anything? No. All, as you said, Nick, all it's doing is trying to its best to predict what is the next thing to say. And, you know, some of the times it gets that really, really wrong. And even if you call it out on it, much like the Bing chat GPT integration, you know, it disagrees with you and it says, no, no, no I'm right. Yeah. I'm right. And you're well, like, well, hang on. I, I've, I've you learned this from? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do you think... And I, I, so I wonder why they don't do this, and this could be a limitation. This might just not be how it works. But I know with um, with other kind of machine learning, or, or if, if you think about like a, a classifier, right? When you're doing, you know, a bit more of a mundane machine learning task, where let's say you have images of birds and images of things that aren't birds, and you train a model to recognize when it is a bird, right? You often get an answer it is a bird but it's based on some probability and some threshold and you can often access that like you know i'm really sure this is a bird versus i'm really sure this is not a bird hmm. um why doesn't it would it be useful and, and could chat gpt give you a confidence score to say because the problem i think we, we that a lot of people have observed with it at the moment is that it tells you something and it's very confidently wrong. It doesn't say, it doesn't do what I think humans do, which is, oh, I'm not totally sure about this. Like, mm, this might be the right way to go. It doesn't do that at all. It just says, this is the answer and you and you have to call it out and say, you're wrong, right? What if it said, this is the answer, but I'm not totally sure. Or there's a number and it said, you know, I'm 37% sure, I'm 1% sure, I'm 99% sure about this. Does that information exist or is it just? I think it's kind of, irrelevant ultimately i actually think it could be more dangerous if it is saying i am 100 percent sure of this and it's completely wrong right because yeah yeah a, a lot of people who would be looking up stuff you know there are people who are like i am an engineer and i'm gonna look at code um but there are definitely going to be people who are like i'm asking you a question about something i don't know um, and kind of using you in place of Google you yeah. know, or some other search engine to find out this new information. And if it comes back and says, I'm 100% sure, you're like, well, I just mm-hmm. guess that's true now. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, it's still going to give you the false confidence. Well, I feel like it's even worse, right? If it yeah. has said I'm 100% sure yeah, versus true. you just being like, I mean, you also just told me it was 2022. So, you know, like, <laughs> I'm not... There right. are definite you, knowledge you, so, gaps. So the confidence... Yeah, I, I, that's a very good point. Like, it would almost remove the need for you to actually critically think about what is this answer. Yeah, it's right. Because you, it's very yeah. easy to look at that's a, a number point. and be like, "This means it's true," right? Like, sure. at numbers people really like them for like <laughs> evidence, right? We can look at a number and be like, "You're solid. You're concrete." You Anything over seventy-five, you're like, "Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. most likely that's right." A really good point. So ChatGPT, look, I think it's a really useful tool, but I think one of the things that is missing is obviously that private instance. For me, where it would be really useful is essentially being able to do a Google search of your own proprietary code base or your own knowledge base and just say, look, I'm new to X company. 
Do we have anything that handles currencies? I think we'll end up there. I think that's a business opportunity waiting to happen, either for OpenAI or for somebody else, right? Because these large language models, I mean, they're proprietary. I guess the, the training, this is, again, belying my, like, sort of revealing my lack of knowledge about it, but, like, um, the training data is probably proprietary, what and how they train, but the actual mod, the the... The methodology is kind of like open and in, in, in published papers. And so I, I'd be shocked if somebody didn't do that. And, and I mean, that's the use case that's come up in my world as well. Like, you know, we were talking about documentation earlier. Like, imagine if you could just take all of the documentation for an organization and then ask it questions about how to do things or even get it to generate documentation that you think is That'd missing be amazing. and then go through with a yeah. human editor. And like, it would save an incredible amount of time. The amount of time where I'm looking for something that I know exists, and I've got to say that the code search for GitHub preview that's out there is fantastic. Yeah, it's really so much better than just the standard GitHub search. You know, half of the time when I'm looking for something, instead of checking out my own repos or using my own search on my computer, I just go straight there because I know I know roughly the word or the phrase that I'm looking for. And then it searches 40 repositories for me as opposed to me having to do that search, you know, with a grep or with command line or whatever other tool. Yeah. So I think having chat GPT or some AI tool that we can do that to, that will be so useful as a developer to just have that in your toolkit. Mm. I also think the things that we currently find hard to do at the moment, right? Like we can kind of look at documentation and be like, this is missing, I'll write some up. But um, I think for a lot of things like service catalogs and keeping architecture diagrams up to date without needing to have someone then go and like manually change things. like would be so good. Yeah, just having something that can look at the code and be like, this has changed, so I'm gonna go and update this service catalog. I'm gonna go update this architecture diagram. Um, having a easy way to keep those uh, in sync because I've, I've been to a bunch of talks and I've been researching different ways that people are doing this and so much of it seems to come back to like some sort of manual action. Um, like if you're if you're doing something like this, we would love to hear it because I really don't want to have to keep writing manual architecture diagrams. But it's no. also for organization charts like or teams moving around or changing names. It's like who do I? have to contact if I want to find out more about something. Absolutely. That would be yeah. really helpful. And even like our HR system here doesn't fully cover that because I know mm. there are some weird reporting lines like uh, reporting into Nick, we used to have this problem a lot where I didn't like look like I was part of the team I was in for a while because we had some, some strange reporting lines there. But like even having that, right? Um, that if you could amazing. ask it, you know, yeah. who who is in this team mm. or who, who is looks this? after CICD or who's yeah. in charge of authentication or things like that. That would be amazing. There yeah. are yeah. other ways to solve that. I would say like, I know I, we were talking about this internally for a little while. Like, you know, do we use something like stack overflow for teams, right? Mm -hmm. To give that kind of very kind of like question answer or anything. And I sort of, I don't know, for whatever reason, it seemed like maybe not a good idea for a while, but I'm, I'm coming around to it. I think it, it could actually be incredibly useful because, look, the alternative is you just search in Slack because somebody's probably asked the question, but that's not what people are conditioned to do. People yes. very much are conditioned to go and search in Stack Overflow. But that it, that can also get quite outdated like when, it can, when the yeah. organisation changes. I think, I'm not, I'm, I haven't used Stack Overflow for Teams. I listened to a podcast with their CEO who's talking about it and it's yeah. not a plug for them or whatever, but I think they have thought of stuff like that and they've thought of stuff like Stack Overflow for Teams only has upvotes and not downvotes, right? Because you can imagine that like, <laughs> if you put a bad answer out there and some people downvote you, 
this is not going to be very good for the team morale. Yeah, so, absolutely. But, but yeah, the 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 um, the recency thing true as well and that's probably also where something like ChatGPT can come in mm. where it might be able to go yeah this is something from six months ago like it might not be true or it it might have a bit more insight and some of those things don't even change like if you go to stack overflow yeah. sometimes you will find something that it's 12 years old yeah, but it's still true it's it's true or people have gone and updated it so having chat gpt or some other tool to be able to go to and to be able to find the link for me like that's that'd be the dream right there yeah I think the other the other thing that interests me about ChatGPT or you know the large language models, whatever, is like what what can it do? The the, the chat interface is you know as I think we we find as developers, right? Like you you could almost compare it to the GUI interface, right? Versus like a CLI interface where like the GUI is really useful sometimes for some things, but a lot of the time when you know exactly what you want to do, the CLI can be a lot more powerful. Yep. It would be really interesting to see what can you do with kind of like a chat GPT type model that has a lot of context and understanding and can generate new ideas and, and new things or whatever facsimile of it, it that chat GPT actually does that, but what can it do with structured data? If you give it a structured query in some form or other, can it actually do a lot more because you've provided some of the structure that it has to kind of interpret out of thin air if you're just kind of chatting to it? Are we done with ChatGPT? We kind of hear a lot of it. I actually did want to ask about your dad using it. And oh yes, I, I haven't. Joking, but <laughs> my dad, I got a text message from my dad the other day. Let me see if I can find it. It says. Hi, guys. It's to me and my brother. I've created an account on ChatGPT, dot, 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 dot. Wow, it's really cool what it can do, dot, 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 dot. Classic, you know, old, he's my dad, old person. Classic, dot, 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 yep. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't seen him. I'm seeing him on the weekend, so I haven't yeah. totally heard what he's been up to it with it. He did say he, he, he's, he's currently trying to sell my grandparents' home, uh, not out from under them, they passed away. Um, and uh, he said, uh, "Thank you." Uh, and he said he asked it what he should do to help sell the home, and he said that it suggested lowering the price, which I don't think he was <laughs> super on board with. So, uh, to I, be fair, it would help sell the home. It would. It's true. I did kind of caution him. I said, "Dad, just watch out. It can be wrong." My dad is the lot of things he's interested in, right? But like. Couple of things I suggested: ask him a question. He makes wine. Ask him a question about winemaking. Ask him a question about flying. Right? He's also like a flight instructor. Um, he didn't get back to me as to whether it did that. But his theory was that, well, it would probably do pretty well on those things because they're kind of like technical topics. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. well, it depends what it's been fed into or what's been fed into it. Right? Like, didn't it? Didn't it pass like the bar exam or something yeah. in the United States? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, passed I, I, a solid B plus student, I believe. Solid <laughs> really? B plus, solid B plus. Well, sorry. yeah, I, I'll I'll play around. Uh, maybe I'll report back next time we do a bit of recording. I'll, yeah. I'll play around with it a little bit with him. On the, I might test him. That that's really. That's I even <laughs> less than a test, right? Like I feel like the way that we are interacting with it, and a lot of people that we talk to are interacting with it, is what can this do in terms of giving me code. And yeah, you know, I'm looking at this as a software engineer, but it it has gone viral for a reason, right? There are totally. a lot of people using it. That's why I'm really interested in what 
I guess lay people are using it for, right? Like, I'll get a full report the... from my dad. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm very curious Take as well. Take a microphone, well. please. You know what? Yeah, <laughs> why not? Recorded. I'll get him to... Yeah, guys. He would love... I, I don't think I'll stroke his ego like that. He would love mm. that. But, I mean, one of the things... The reason I want to test him versus chat GPT is because one of the themes that he... One of the things he often says that I often troll him a little bit about is, you know... Autopilot. Autopilot. There it is. The autopilot, right? And he will always go, I can fly a plane better than any bloody machine. And I'm like, all right, dad, really? Is that really true? And he, you know, he knows, he he knows what an autopilot is and how it works. It's a flight instructor. He's very experienced. But it would be interesting to see what it says versus what he says if I asked them the same Mm. question. the dark side of chat gpt that we haven't really talked about we've talked about it generating code right and we've talked about it oh can it take our jobs and we okay so we know that's not going to happen but it's clearly good at some things it is good at generating probable code so what happens when someone malicious gets a hold of that kind of technology totally to me it's not doing anything that a person couldn't do though you know what i mean like It's the same as if the person who got a hold of malicious code was to go off and write it themselves. I mean, it's a it's a very good point, though, for sure. This one because this is what we see with everybody else. Oh, the bad guys are using encrypted messaging, so we should block encrypted messaging. Yeah. Like, actually, mm, hold up on that. That actually might be bad for everybody. I'm sure in probably the next six to twelve months, we will see conversations at probably high levels of government saying, you know, we should restrict the use of chat GPT because chat GPT wrote something that did something bad. Somebody used it to do bad stuff. Or, yeah, you can think of all sorts of horrible examples and kids using chat GPT and yeah. all sorts of bad stuff, right? But Well, why don't we stick with the engineering space just for this argument? Sure. So chat GPT and academia, for example, right? Because sure. we're talking about engineers using it in code generation. Now, that's a really useful tool to be able to generate some code. And there are things out there that aren't ChatGPT that can do that, right? Like Visual Studio and ReSharper and all sorts of things can be like, yeah, I can generate you a boilerplate or a template. And that's really useful. So when we start talking about academics and, you know, we're talking about, oh, you've got a test and your test is to write a bunch of code. It's like, well, is it cheating if you use the tools? Because it is a tool, right? It is a tool. So I think like where a lot of that debate is kind of... (laughs) missing the point to me a little bit is that people are already able to do that right it's just now it is access previously you could absolutely like pay someone to just write your your Mm -hmm. test answers right write your essays but you have to have the money to do it a lot of uni students don't have that so what i'm hearing is is chat gpt is taking the jobs from the (laughs) the people who are helping people pass their tests yeah exactly like a lot of this is stuff that you could get from fiber ultimately and the problem was that no one was going to do it when it was a couple of people, right? It didn't really matter, but those were also the people who could afford to do that. Yeah, you're, you're um, spot on. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and and let's not claim that technology is neutral, right? Technology no. has a viewpoint and technology is, is made by people and therefore it's imbued with them. But this particular technology is democratizing something that like we're just saying previously it, it, it is an equalizer and i think 
and I think much like, you know, um, sort of end-to-end encryption and secure messaging and much like the internet itself, right, it confounds a lot of ideas about who should have access to what and, like, you know, uh, it, it, it defeats a lot of barriers around, like, oh, should you be able to share songs with your friends and what yeah. about the copyright? And it, we're going to bump up into all of that all over again. I feel like one of the memes in engineering is is often, you know, it comes down to someone will be like, oh, I, I you stole this from me or I stole that from you. And then it comes to engineering and they go, hey, bro, I stole your code. And then the person's not my code, bro. Right. Like how often yeah. we go to Stack Overflow mm. and or some other source and just copy paste the code because we're like, well, it sure. works. Why would I reinvent the wheel? But that is a very unique, I think thing about engineering yeah. and we're lucky that we've and you know i i think like i would temper that with like that's not true everywhere right there are people and organizations that are extremely protective of what they see as their quote-unquote intellectual property whether it is actually valuable or not and whether it is just the same as like you know you could put it on stack overflow right but there's but i think that's unique to engineering and when something like ChatGPT happens where it is a bit of a like cultural phenomenon right you're gonna bump up against all those other industries where like that is not the norm that you can just take this thing and repurpose it and reuse it and if anybody wants to wants to wants to uh listen to one of my favorite youtube videos of all time um cory doctorow is a huge uh like tech rights advocate very smart guy um he did a talk many years ago um called the coming war on general purpose computing and it i think it touches on some of these issues which is like what happens when you take a technology and you democratize it and then you try and it it, it sort of seeps into every aspect of everybody's lives and then the bits of the world that don't operate the way that you know tech like tech and engineering operates push back a little bit and say okay well you know we shouldn't be able to just do anything we should be able to you know like here's the conversation that for sure will happen, right? How can we make a chat GPT that can do whatever you want, except it can't do, it can't pirate music, right? Or it can't, you know, um, it can't give legal advice or it can't, or give, it can't right. give medical advice. Right. Or... And the answer is like, it's really hard to do that. <laughs> it's really hard to do that in any meaningful way. And this talk, it's really fantastic. The coming war on general purpose computing, go watch it. It's like my must watch for anybody who deals with technology because you should be conscious of these kind of social issues. I think if you work as a technologist and the answer, at least in terms of, you know, um, like, stopping access to people using software or stopping access to people like you know pirating music or whatever every solution that we try to get a computer to run all of these things to run everything except for some some subset everything that we've tried to do that basically ends up with like malware and spyware right that's his kind of argument is that the only way to actually do it is to kind of monitor what you're doing and then say no you can't do those you can't actually like make the you know, and this whole like Turing completeness thing, right? You can't actually make the computer, the chip that's running the code, not be able to do some things and be able to do other things, right? There's lots of, you know, computer science theory that backs that once you get to a certain point, it can just do everything, right? There's nothing you can restrict it to do. And this is probably a similar thing in some sense with ChatGPT in that how do you make a large language model, you know, that that can do everything but can't do some things, right? It's very, you, you can just not train it. If you don't want it to give medical advice, right? 
remove any medical stuff from the training data set, but how do you even figure out what that is? I guess the other thing totally. is too then, if you ask it a medical question and it doesn't have any training too, right? Is that going to give yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how do you, yeah, Totally, like, and how do you, you know, and, and, so and, and we're already seeing the context, this, right? right? It, it, it kind of, it needs the context for other reasons, right? Like, you know, you, you, yeah, how do you draw a ring around the things that are medical advice and exclude them, right? And, and we're already seeing some of this a little bit in that, you know, the people that have made ChatGPT and other large language models try and put in these safeguards to stop you from doing things, and it's very easy to defeat them, yeah. mm -hmm. right? And it's going to be this constant cat and mouse, and I think there'll be a similar thing with the, with the testing, right, to bring it all the way back to where we were, like testing in academia and whatever. If your test and probably testing in hiring, right? Hiring software engineers. If your test is to get somebody to write some code, maybe that was never a very good test to begin with. You know, because now everybody can. That's that's a great segue. Coding tests. What do we think? Do we do we think no? And seriously, because yeah, yeah, some yeah. companies just say no, we don't we don't do code tests. They don't anything and other companies are like oh if you can't do the coding test you're not in what, oh, what do you think for hiring. yeah for hiring so as engineers like i've done some very easy coding tests in my time and i've done some really hard ones have you ever written fizzbuzz in an interview I've, I've never had it for an interview, amazingly. I've always had it thrown out as the yeah, thing, but Raider I've never well. actually yeah. had to do fizzbuzz. Yeah, I've done fizzbuzz, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I've, been I've been practicing my entire life to be able to do this. I hope I can do it. Because, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, for me, I'm like, if it works, like, does it matter? You know, because we say fizzbuzz, for example, right? And it's like, am, am I going to write enterprise-level code for your fizzbuzz app? No. If you haven't seen the Enterprise Fizzbuzz, it's fantastic. Go on, go on. It's on GitHub, I think. It's GitHub, great. Enterprise Fizzbuzz, I can't wait to see. I do think a lot of it is also about the context, though. Like, um, coding tests that are going to take you, like, 10 hours, not on, right? That's already indicative that the company does not care Unpaid about your time. Unpaid labor. Right? Yeah. Like, before you even get there, they're like, you want to you wanna do 10 hours of this? Um, I do think it's nice... I tend to like them more as like pairing exercises because it gives you a really good idea of like what a person is actually like to work with, right? Like, are they going to sit there and it's hard because it's an interview setting as well, right? So there is going to be some sort of panic, presumably, from the candidate. But I do think that a lot of it is like if you can get them to sit there and basically play nice while they're pairing, it's probably a sign that they're going to be nice to work with, right? You can also see like as they're coding, like generally do they do they talk you through the problem like can you see kind of the logic of what they're going through um because if they can stop and explain it then they're probably going to be able to approach problems in a very um formulaic way right where they can stop and break it down instead of just being like oh i'm just gonna i'm just gonna run with it so i do think coding tests are nice but i do think less of a like you know oh my god can you solve this complex problem and more of a like can you show me how you solve problems i think the scenario that is very useful in which i think people overestimate that they fall into this bucket. If you fall into the bucket of the Googles and the Amazons and the Microsofts, where you have potentially hundreds of people applying for a single role, and I think this applies to a lot of practices that get kind of the airtime in the tech industry because the big people talk about them, right? If you fall into the bucket where there's hundreds of people applying for a role, 
it is not possible for you to go and do a pair programming exercise necessarily with every single one of those 100 people. You actually need something to set the bar at a certain point and eliminate the vast majority of people applying for that role. Now, it's not going to be, it doesn't have to be a perfect predictor, right? But those organizations, from what I understand, are greatly biased towards, like, um, if they miss out on a few great people, it's okay because there's so many fantastic people applying to those to those for those positions. And so if you can set a coding test that is difficult, some people are gonna get through it because they're gonna plagiarize it, they're gonna ask ChatGPT or they're gonna ask their friend who's a software developer to write it, right? But the majority of people won't pass that and now you have a smaller pool to do your your um, your interviews with. And like Bridget was saying, things like pairing exercises and things that what you should actually be hiring for, which is not being able to pull facts out, but how well you're going to work with other people and how well, you know, they say software engineering is a team sport, right? How well you're going to integrate as part of the team. And I mean, like, also, I, it's not great for an interview because people are nervous. Like, you don't really want to put them on the spot. But I do really like to see how people approach something that they don't know, right? Like, I wish that was something we could kind of do in interviews more is, like, pull up something completely new and be like, how do you want to solve this, right? Like, how do you approach something new? Like, are you going to kind of panic and be like, well, I haven't done this before, so I'm not going to do it? Because, like, ultimately, to each their own, I don't really want to work with someone who's going to be like, I'm not willing to try it and learn something new because I don't think that's very fun. And how are you going to, how are you going to, I mean... But that's the job, right? Not, yeah, that's not, the job. Right? Also, like, when you, when you... When you do join the company, that's what you'll be doing for like... Yeah. I mean, what, talk about something... Three months, six like, months, yeah. three years, six years. Like how long until you feel like you're a real programmer, like you're a real engineer? I'm still waiting for that to kick in, right? Yeah. Like I think people get to senior level and above and sometimes they forget about all the things they get wrong or all the things they forget to do or they're placed on a pedestal where, you know, people just go, oh, well you know, Nick's a senior staff engineer. He never makes mistakes, right? This guy's amazing, right? I make mistakes constantly. Right? So, <laughs> you know. It's learning from your mistakes. It's the important part. But that's the thing, right? Yeah. How do you learn? That's By making mistakes. Yes, yes, yes. Like, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, yeah, if you stop making mistakes, you're going to stop learning. That's why, uh, yeah. Which is the chat GPG, GPT model. <laughs> right? Bruno, full circle. That's how AI learns. It makes mistakes, and then it goes, "Oh crap, that was wrong." I mean, yeah, you know, you can't, you can't deny that's a good way of doing it. I, I think the um, the point I was going to make about ChatGPT to bring that back is that you know the 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 people that are going to these jobs and they're not having to be challenged by anything new and not coming up against new problems and just doing the same thing. It sounds they boring ones, to me. It sounds boring to me, but they are the ones that are going to be replaced by ChatGPT potentially, right? Is that right. like if you don't, if you're not constantly kind of doing new things and having to come up with new ideas, that's what you're getting paid for. Yeah, right? you're not getting paid to just churn out the same thing over and over again because yeah, we know how to, you know, increasingly do that, and yeah, it sucks, but I think that's the reality of it. Cool. I think this is great. So for anyone out there listening, if you have any stories about ChatGPT that you want to share, any questions or anything like that, or give us your opinion on working from home. So give us a yell, give us a chat. Thanks for listening to us today on Seek Bytes. 
If you have any topics you might be interested in hearing us talk about more, please give us a shout out in the Seek Bites podcast Slack channel. And we hope you enjoyed listening.